It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you've ever wandered past a great big mansion in central London and wondered... Who owns that? You might be surprised to know it's actually incredibly hard to find out. It's something that's frustrated reporters for years. It wasn't too long ago London started to be dubbed London Grad, such as the amount of Russians buying up expensive property there. But now, a new investigation for the Times has revealed just how much prime real estate is in the hands of not just Russians, but the families of foreign politicians and leaders. What the investigation shows for the first time is that £200 million of UK property is owned by the children of autocratic rulers and their allies. These places had been bought through offshore companies, but who owned those? Until now, their identities were held from public view. Our journalists have got access to new data and have been hitting the spreadsheets and pounding the London pavements like nobody's business to find out who owns what. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Luke Jones. Today, who really owns Britain? We begin today a short London underground hop from Times Towers. Our guide is Times investigations reporter George Greenwood. Hi there, I'm George Greenwood. I'm the investigations reporter at the Times newspaper. He went out with our producer James to visit some of the properties we're going to talk about. George is an expert in open data and freedom of information requests. In fact, he found out that in official documents, civil servants had given him a nickname. It's the ever-active Mr Greenwood, because I send a lot of FOI requests and it seems to have annoyed some people in the Cabinet Office. I mean, there are worse nicknames than ever-active. Uh, this is what made it into emails. I'm, I'm sure uh, in WhatsApp messages there are less broadcastable nicknames. So we're in beautiful Hyde Park at the moment, uh, looking over as the sun's out in force and all the uh, young people and tourists are walking around. And we're here for a very specific reason, which is that we can see some of the property. We now know who owns some of these most expensive properties in London. And that's very important in a society to know who owns your country. Uh, In this case, uh, property worth about £21 million at the time they were bought, just across from Speaker's Corner, where I'm standing now. Speaker's Corner is a a really wonderful part of British democracy where anybody can basically say what they want. uh, And you often come along here and see people 
giving their ideas, some interesting, some slightly crazier. But it's a profound irony that the people who own the property looking down on here from Azerbaijan, which their father has ruled since the early 2000s, in that country, those rights don't exist. And yet they're able to enjoy both those rights here and, and, and the beautiful views. Take us to Park Lane. We're at the business end of the Monopoly board. And you went to one property in particular with our producer to see a place that until recently we didn't actually know much about it and who owned it. Tell us about where you went and what was it like to look at? It was a very beautiful building. It's clearly got some very beautiful vistas of Hyde Park looking out over the very large glass windows. This particular corner of West London is one of the greenest, leafiest parts of the middle of our capital. Uh, it's beautiful old school buildings all surrounding us. The inside I can see from a advertisement for a flat in the building is, is very beautiful. What one might describe as one of the most luxurious properties in central London. So if the reporting doesn't work out, you can maybe be an estate agent. It's good sale. Make more money that way. <laughs> you see they've got the uh, custom plates out. So that's, that's a Bentley with, uh, with uh, custom number plates. Yeah, you've got sort of blue plaques galore. You know, and I wonder how many of these buildings are owned offshore. So until, really, until you were reporting, all we knew was that these properties were owned by Harrow Ventures Limited and Charlton International Consultancy Limited in the British Virgin Islands. And that was sort of the end of the story. And, there are, and that's not the only property around here where that's about as much as you can, you can find out. Well, indeed, there were tens of thousands of properties like this in London where you couldn't get hold of this information. Journalists like me was not able to, to report on this. The privacy of people owning these companies was deemed to be more important than the public interest of watchdog journalism. What we can now say, having stripped away BVI companies, which were the previous declared owners of the property, is that the owners of the properties in that building are Arzu and Leila Alieva. And who are they? They are the daughters of Ilham Aliyev, the president of Azerbaijan. Uh, he's been running the country since the early 2000s, and his father ruled the country before him. And Leila in particular is somebody who is, well, a sort of known society quantity. Indeed, she runs a fashion magazine called Baku, or at least recently did. And she's often been at events with Peter Mandelson and Prince Andrew. She also received something called the Pushkin Medal for Services to Russian Culture from Vladimir Putin. On her Instagram, for example, has a video of her going up and collecting it from the Russian president. Expressing her gratitude for such a high assessment for her activities, Leila Aliva congratulated the Russian president. She underlined that humanitarian cooperation is an integral part of our relations. But these are people who are, are very close to the current regime of Azerbaijan. Hmm. What do we know about Azerbaijan's government? Well, UK government guidance raises concerns about how well Azerbaijan is run democratically. There are concerns about media freedom. There are concerns about high levels of corruption. And if you look at Freedom House, a independent assessment of application of rights in a country, Azerbaijan scores very poorly. 
He's led Azerbaijan since 2003, and now Ilham Aliyev's president for another seven years. There were multiple candidates in the race, but only ever one frontrunner. There is a monarchy in Azerbaijan because power has been inherited from father to son. Do people have a choice? People are very scared here. We are not free. I will even feel like we are the worst country in the region. You see the police as an entity that protects people from the criminals. This is the vice versa in Azerbaijan. The police is protecting the government from the people. NGOs are the subject of a crackdown. Journalists are the subject of a crackdown. Not at all. Critics are in jail. No, not at all. None of this is true. Absolutely fake. Absolutely. And thinking of that flat, had you, George Greenwood, bought that flat, we would have been able to, for years, know that you owned that flat. It's on land registry. Exactly. If you buy a property in your own name, your name goes on something called the land registry. And there are two ways of accessing that information. For any need to search it for, say, tax purposes. There's a big database that governs access to with everybody's name on it. And if an individual, perhaps a property conveyancer, wanted to see who owned it, all they needed to go to pay £3 at the land registry and you'd get a copy mm. of the title and that would say who owned it. And yet we had this situation where, what, just foreign buyers or foreign buyers who had bought through companies didn't have to submit that kind of information? So in 2016, the government introduced a policy that meant that if you owned a certain chunk of UK companies, you had to declare this on a public register. However, we've had a quite a big loophole in the rules, and that is that only affected UK companies. So as long as you held a property through an overseas company, in someone like the British Virgin Islands, the Cayman Islands, even after 2016, you did not have to disclose on the land registry if you bought property through those companies who the ultimate beneficial owner was. That meant that unless there was court action or criminal proceedings or, you know, for example, a tax case in the high court, the owners of the property would not be available to the public. And the concern around this is that that made British property a very good way of securing assets. Then after the war in Ukraine started, and as part of the government's reaction to that, they wanted to make clear who owned what in the UK. The the aim was to identify... Russians who were on the sanctions list and identify what properties that they owned in the UK without being able to use these sort of offshore companies to obscure that fact from the government. So they introduced this policy, the Register of Overseas Entities, and that now means that any company overseas that owns UK property must meet UK transparency standards and and declare who the beneficial owner of their properties are to close that loophole that existed before. This has been something the government's considered doing since 2016 under David Cameron, but this was rushed forward at the start Mm. of the war as part of the measures to crack down on assets, those links to Putin, owned in the UK. But with the change of rules, it's then opened up insight into people far beyond that, far beyond Russians, to just anyone who owns a property through a company. Oh, exactly. And in the vast majority of cases, these are people who may have owned the property through these measures for other reasons. Privacy, though we might disagree with it, is one reason people use for using these structures. But all those people now had to make a declaration of their ownership mm. uh, in the UK. So we plenty of innocent people who've got no wrongdoing against them, have complied happily with the law, and now we just know that they are the beneficial owners of, of several properties. Okay, so so for this story then, what have you done with this new register and what's available on land registry? What have you had to do to actually find out who owns what? 
So with my colleagues, Manny Medolo and Thomas Saunders, we did some data analysis of the new register. We matched the list of companies that declared they own property and their owners with a list of properties that the Landbridge publishes that are owned overseas. And then we matched that against a database of politically exposed persons and those on sanctions lists. So these are people who have links to governments. All British MPs will be on there, for example. People who extra due diligence is needed about because they are closely linked to someone in power. And banks use these lists to make sure everything is above board with financial transactions. It's an anti-money laundering measure. Hmm. So by matching this list with this property database, we saw a number of people of interest and we had a bit look further into who they were and what they were doing now. And why is it important to to know this? I mean, I'm sort of weirdly arguing for ignorance here, but why why should we know whether people who are politically exposed and are on that list that the banks and others use to, to fight money laundering, why should we know if they own property in London? Well, it's a key transparency measure. In a lot of cases, nothing illegal will be done, but hmm. there are questions if you're in Azerbaijani about whether those close to the government should be owning that much property when there is poverty in that country. There could be an argument for, for example, higher tax rates in your country if those in the political elite are owning a lot of luxury property. So it's a mix of the ethical concerns about are these people earning too much money? Are they putting this money into UK assets rather than perhaps investing in their own countries? Mm. You know, There are political questions for these people back home, even if they've committed no offences and have done nothing wrong. Also, is there a question of fairness, circling back to the point that we know which flats, if any, you own on Park Lane as a, as a private well, UK all, 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 all my flats on Park Lane are, are there for all to see on the uh, land registry titles. Um, but there's a point of fairness as well. Why should people who are wealthier be able to enjoy privacy that everyone else doesn't get? It costs mm. thousands and thousands of pounds to set up an overseas company, the BVI, for example, and manage it. And that seems unfair. Hmm. You've previously reported on, on Russian ownership of property in London and some of the surprising details within. Indeed, in March, uh, we did the first in this series of stories using the register. And we looked at people who were who were either sanctioned themselves in the UK or Ukraine, but their family members weren't. Yes. And we found numerous cases where very, very wealthy oligarchs had large amounts of property in the UK through their families, i.e. their wives or their children were the beneficial owners of those properties and their names were never on it. Now, it may be these people own these £100 million properties themselves. You know, they may have income we're not aware of, but they did raise concerns about whether that sanctions programme was working as intended, given it appeared that, at least in some cases, there were ways not to be caught by it. Didn't one of them have an eight-year-old as owning a property? Uh, precisely. Um, a former governor of a province in Russia, his eight-year-old daughter was listed as the owner of a several million pound flat in Kensington. Now, that's perfectly legal to make an eight-year-old beneficiary of a property, but it does, again, raise questions about why would you choose that structure, especially when the parent is a politically exposed person in that way. Mm. And thinking about the latest in your investigation, this is all a bit different because the owners of the properties that we're talking about, and we'll hear a bit more about in a minute, aren't Russian. They're not the subject of sanctions. There's not a suggestion that they're buying property here because they're engaged in illegality or wrongdoing. Now you've been able to get at who these people are, what sort of person has, has cropped up? Well, we've got the son of a serving Azerbaijani minister. We have the daughter of the Kazakh former president and leader of the nation. 
And as well as then, we, we've got someone currently wanted by Interpol and currently a fugitive believed to be living in Dubai. Coming up, what else George has dug up from the data and the properties that are still shrouded in mystery. That's in a moment. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. George Greenwood, we are continuing our tour around the very expensive property map of London. We've already heard about a flat in Park Lane. Now we're in Westminster. Tell us about another property that you've identified there and the person who you've now been able to understand actually owns it. Yes, so one of the properties is a restaurant in Marsham Street. It's just down from Westminster Station. This is what was formerly known as Shepherd's, and it was quite a storied restaurant, previously owned by Sir Michael Caine. And since then, it became a bit of a den of intrigue for politicians. Up to about 2019, Boris Johnson was seen there chatting with some of his ministers, Sir Lindsay Hoyle, the Speaker of the Commons, Nigel Farage. And it seemed to be a place where people had quiet dinners with lobbyists, campaigners, other people trying to influence the political process, doing deals over some very nice shepherd's pie. So, George, we've left Park Lane mm. and we're here on a sort of side street in Westminster. Yes. Where are we and why are we here? Uh, so we're outside what used to be a Shepherd's Restaurant and we're here because we now know that the owner of the building is the son of Azerbaijan's Ministry of Emergency Situations, one of the close allies of the president of Azerbaijan. And how much is this place worth, do we know? So on the title deed, it was worth a little over a million pounds. Uh, That's because they own the restaurant unit and it's on a leasehold. So it may not be quite as valuable as a full freehold property around here, but it's still worth having. We thought we were coming here for a coffee and uh, that's not going to happen today because there's a notice of forfeiture stuck on the the window of this 
restaurant, which maybe indicates they're not making a huge amount of money from this restaurant at the minute. Well, no, it looks like their uh, tenants have run a mile, unfortunately. Sometimes units get a bit, bit lost like that. They seem to have had two Italian restaurant tenants previously, but it looks like they'll be looking for a third coming up soon. Michael Kane doesn't appear to have blown the bloody doors off. Boom, boom. Is there any sort of lesson to be drawn in the fact that a place that was a long time political haunt, all of our political leaders would come here, is now owned by the son of an Azerbaijani minister? There are no rules, really, in regards to the market, as long as you can pass a due diligence test. You can show where your money came from, to some extent. You're able to buy what you want in the UK. And I think what the war in Ukraine showed is that actually we need to keep very, very careful tabs on where money coming to the UK comes from. Not to say that the Azerbaijanis are particularly a national security threat to us personally, but we'd thought that about the Russians post-Cold War, and actually, while allowing them to have London grads, that caused problems. And now we're trying to find where all the money is, which we've lost track of to some extent. On the other hand, you know, these people may not be involved in their own government, so that may be too high a bar to make. In any case, what transparency does is it allows us to have these conversations, and hopefully now we can talk about who owns England and, and who we want to own England. And the point here is that all of this important political gossip and wheeling dealing can be happening in this establishment restaurant and only now have you been able to find out who owns it and that they are, well, politically exposed, to use the phrase. Well, indeed, we only have recently been able to find out that this son of the Azerbaijani minister was the owner and it's just a sort of restaurant unit. But I think it just shows that people wandering around Westminster even at the heart of our government, didn't know who was owning the buildings around them. And I think that's Mm. something quite important for transparency. You mentioned a fugitive. Mm. Who's that? Oh, well, Isabel dos Santos is the daughter of the late former president of Angola. So we've been able to identify two London properties and a parking space in Kensington. They're collectively worth around £10 million. And she owns them through Wilkeson Properties, a company based on the Isle of Man. She had been in charge of the state oil company in Angola during her father's rule as president. But prosecutors in Angola accuse her of causing more than $5 billion in losses to the country. She is wanted on charges of fraud, embezzlement, influence peddling and money laundering, but she denies all those charges. She's also been accused of lavish spending. Her social media is full of luxury living in Dubai. And there are also reports she paid Mariah Carey a million dollars to sing at a party. She's currently a fugitive. She's believed to be in Dubai, but she is on the Interpol red list. And is the point that the UK government might have known this before and authorities might have known that. So if they, for whatever reason, needed to do something that they would know that. But just you as a journalist, we as the public activists previously didn't have a right to know that she owned that. Well, in some cases, I don't think the government knew who owned it. I mean, I think they could probably require disclosure of who owned it in particular cases. Ah. Um, But if there was no allegation of wrongdoing, they'd almost need a suspicion to ask for the documents showing who actually owned it. And I think one advantage of this system is actually now, in most cases, the government should have everything. He's the only leader many Kazakhs have ever known. 
The Sultan Nazarbayev has unexpectedly stepped down, but although he's brought his 30-year tenure as president to an end, he's not giving up power. Another autocratic country which we've identified property in relation to is Kazakhstan. Human Rights Watch has previously described his role as authoritarian, noting the imprisonment of government critics. He's keeping the status of both leader of the nation and chief of the country's security council. He will, for some time yet, be pulling the levers of power, Wizard of Oz style, from somewhere off stage. The daughter of the former president, Dariga Nazbayeva. She's got a £9.3 million house in Highgate and two flats in Chelsea worth £31 million. Those properties are owned through two offshore companies, Tropicana Assets Foundation and Villa Magna Foundation, which are both based in Panama. You obviously have reached out to all the various people who, who do actually own these places. Mm. What have they said in response? So the Hedreo family, who owned the Westminster building that houses Waters Shepherd's Restaurant, have said that it's bought entirely with legitimately owned proceeds. So Talay Hedrayov, he is the son of the Azerbaijani Minister of Emergency Situations. His lawyers, Schilling, sent us a statement which says, the source of funds for the purchase in question was a loan from an independent FCA-regulated bank in the UK and investment income and dividends. Talay Hedrayev is not involved in the governance of Azerbaijan or its politics and is a successful businessman in his own right. And also, we, we should say that there is no suggestion that Hedrayev is engaged in any wrongdoing in relation to the purchases of the property. Elizabeth Santos didn't respond to request to comment, and neither did Dariga Nazbayeva, the daughter of the former Kazakh president. And in relation to the Aliyevs, the Azerbaijanis who own the flat in Park Lane, they didn't come back to my request for comment, but there is no suggestion, of course, that they're implicated in any wrongdoing. What next with all of this? This has been a great treasure trove of information that you've been able to piece together and, and find out things. As you say, even if no one's accused of wrongdoing, it's interesting and there's a question of fairness that it's good that we, we know this stuff. But in terms of what else is out there to try and tackle this problem or, or shed greater light on it, the, the other thing that came in not too long ago was these unexplained wealth orders. Reminds of what that is and what, what use they've been. So unexplained wealth orders, they are if the government has a reasonable suspicion that property may have been obtained by means of corruption or basically that the person who owns it can't prove where the money came from. Mm. The government can seize property and assets. And for example, recently an Azerbaijani MP could not prove where certain bank balances had come from and that money was then seized by the NCA as part of an investigation. Okay. And why is this happening in London in particular? Why why is there not a similar phenomenon going on in Paris or Madrid or you know warmer cities, just as nice. Well, it is all happening there. We just don't know about it. Oh, France is slightly better. They do have a have a better system for declaring property. But in other countries, you know Switzerland, for example, all these other places where if you're very wealthy, you might want to own a home. Often these property registers are closed, mm. so you can't find out without a legal reason to who owns these things. So actually, in some ways, we're ahead of the curve on this. It is a step forward for the UK government of the countries. And I think in part that's because of our very aggressive stance fighting Russian aggression in Ukraine and the government should be credited for that. Where are the gaps? Is there anything as it currently stands where there are still loopholes that, that exist in this? This new register is only a partial step forward. The law doesn't go quite far enough. And despite these laws, there are still quite a few loopholes about whether if you use certain structures, you could still keep your name with the register. For example, if you can separate your 
control of an asset from your benefit from it, i.e. it's put in trust, and you appoint someone else to look after it for you. Under the current rules, while HMRC will get to find out who benefits from the property, your name doesn't go on the public register. There's no way for us to find out about that. Now, there is an amendment going through on government legislation backed by Lord Agnew to cover this and actually make these beneficiaries public. The government's so far resisting this and has not supported the amendment for reasons that <laughs> don't seem to make much sense. And also, one of the problems we have in all these situations is the enablers. The reason that people have been able to buy these properties in the UK are because they have lots of people who are acting to help them. Law firms, property companies, accountants, all these people are not actually subject to that strict supervision by the government. And now, in some cases, there's nothing they've done wrong. They've fulfilled all their legal requirements. But the problem is that that can leave you in a situation where large parts of London are owned by people we may not want them to be owned by, mm. be it for ethical reasons alone. And I think we need a good look as a society on the people who enable this kind of investment and, and whether it's something society wants to happen. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Luke Jones, and my guest, the ever-active George Greenwood, investigations reporter for The Times. You can find George's full investigation at thetimes.co.uk or in today's edition of The Print Paper. The producer was James Shield, the executive producer is Kate Ford, and sound design was by Tom Birchall. Goodbye. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.